Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host back in the basement on a Monday evening to talk about some more wrestling. This time it is to talk about Ring of Honor episode 529 that showed up on my PVR on November 13th, so a couple days ago. Checked it out yesterday, found some time today, so I thought I would come down and watch it. Even though I keep thinking I'm not going to because, as I've talked about here and you're probably well aware, ROH is going on hiatus for at least three months starting in the new year. So it's kind of they're just running out the clock here on whatever their current product is. But I figure I will still cover it for you guys. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Normally I host a show on Saturdays with my wrestling obsessed teenage son where we cover NXT and AEW and Impact Wrestling and some news and rumors and trivia. And he always ends with an update from the world of wrestling action figures. We also just put up a review of AEW Full Gear, which was a phenomenal show. I thoroughly enjoyed one of my favorite shows in quite a while with one of my favorite matches in quite a while that was pleasantly surprising because it wasn't one of the matches I was really looking forward to, but pretty much blown away by it. So if you'd like to check that out, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to contact either myself or my son about anything wrestling related, it's fnswrestling at gmail.com or fns underscore wrestling, no, underscore podcast, is that right? Yes, that's right, sorry, fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram, or you can leave a comment in YouTube, and I will get back to everybody that leaves a comment, because let's be real, it's not many people, almost nobody, but that's okay. Hopefully somebody's out there listening to me. Really appreciate it if you are, but I figure you're here. If you clicked on this and are looking to listen, it's because you want to listen to me talk about Ring of Honor, episode 529, so I figure we should do that now. So this episode of Ring of Honor gets back to their regular routine because it's Quinn McKay at the desk right away. No promos, no packages, no anything. Quinn welcomes us, excitedly lets us know that there's going to be three fantastic matches on tonight's show. That's her opinion, not mine yet. We'll find out how I feel at the end of this. So in the main event, she tells us we're going to have the Righteous take on the Foundation in a six-man tag team match. Quinn reminds us that the Righteous have now been purified, quote-unquote, according to Vincent, which so far all we know is that that means they wear all white. So we've really gotten not much else beyond that, but I guess we'll find out tonight because this is their first opportunity to see what this new purified Righteous sort of means. She goes on to tell us that the number one contenders for the Ring of Honor tag team titles, the OGK, will be involved in a match tonight as they take on Flip Gordon and his doctor, PJ Black. So I had no idea why Quinn was referring to Black as Gordon's doctor, but they do get around to explaining that a little bit later in the show. But first, Quinn tells us that her broadcast partner, Caprice Coleman, will step back into the ring to face the Beer City Bruiser. So Coleman was a surprise entrant in a Honor Rumble, I think it was, match, and he was eliminated by, or sorry, he eliminated the Bruiser. So Bruiser and his group, which is Brian Malonis and Ken Dixon, have been interrupting and harassing commentary sort of since then, and Coleman finally had enough last week, stood up for himself and the other commentators, and is now going to be involved in this match later tonight. So right away, I, being honest, just sort of in the moment, I'm not super thrilled with this lineup for the show. Uh, part of it is that we know none of these stories, I mean, it would seem like these stories are probably just going to stop and or disappear really suddenly as ROH does go on hiatus. Um, so 
no matter how much they hype these matches or how interesting they make the storylines, there's little chance of any sort of payoff down the road because I feel like if they're gone for that long and they've released all of their um, talent, they're probably going to be coming back to something very different and very unlikely to be honoring the same storylines or even having the same wrestlers on the show. So it kind of feels like it's dead man walking, but uh, I'm going to watch the show and talk about it anyways, I guess. So in addition to, to that, nobody on this card really is among my favorite ROH talents. So none of the ones I really like to watch. So my ex expectations for this particular episode after hearing the lineup are pretty low, to be honest. Uh, so Ian Riccoboni welcomes us to the arena and he lets us know he's joined by Silas Young on commentary this week since Caprice Coleman will be involved in a match. So that makes sense. We then cut to a promo that was recorded earlier where the Bruiser talks to the other members of his group. Bruiser is annoyed that Riccoboni got Coleman all hyped up at the Honor Rumble and it made Coleman tear off his shirt and enter the match. Coleman then eliminated the Bruiser and Bruiser thinks that that elimination should not have happened and should not stand because Coleman was not a registered competitor for the match and the Bruiser should be the number one contender. He says if Coleman wants a fight tonight, the Bruiser and his group will be unstoppable. So I thought this was a fine promo from Bruiser. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a lower card wrestler challenging a commentator, although he is a former wrestler, over something kind of silly, right? The, a Bruiser may have a point using his heel logic that Capri shouldn't have been in the match, and I like that he's assuming if he had stayed in the match, he definitely would have won it sort of thing, again, using that heel logic. But they've really dragged out this feud or whatever, this story, for far too long. So the Honor Rumble, I, I went and looked it up because I was feeling like it was a long time ago. So that took place on September 12th. So that's just over two months ago, and they're finally getting around to this. So, I mean, I have no problem with uh, a long storytelling. I love it in AEW. But this was not the case here. This was just sort of them dragging out this very simple thing for over a month. But again... This is, and I, I'm sure you're tired of hearing me say it if you're a regular listener, this is a product of a major wrestling company having only one hour a week of television. You can't get everything on there. You can't advance storylines. You can't create depth to characters when you have so little time. So that was probably one of the reasons that this has sort of dragged on for so long because they can't really even mention it for weeks at a time, right? It's not like it's been on the show every week for two months. It's just been sort of forgotten about and back. So anyways, Caprice Coleman makes his entrance in some pretty flashy entrance gear, and he is still in amazing shape, like better than 90-whatever percent of professional wrestlers that aren't retired. Um, Bruiser gets on the mic as he makes his entrance, and he mocks Coleman's entrance gear, says he's not in the mood to wrestle Coleman tonight, but Ken Dixon, who's kind of the, the newest member of um, the the bouncers or whatever their group is called now. But he says Ken Dixon wants to prove that he's part of the bouncers. And if Coleman can beat Dixon, he can have a shot at the bruiser next week. So I found it kind of strange because Coleman doesn't even respond. Um, he just sort of, I guess, accepts this match because the two bouncers leave the ring and it looks like we're going to get Ken Dixon taking on Caprice Coleman instead. Which, if I'm being honest, at this point is a bit of a an upgrade for me because I've been a little bit interested in Dixon just because he's not somebody I've seen very much of. I kind of like checking out new talent, especially if it's on a show like Ring of Honor. Uh, and Bruiser's not one of my favorites. I've seen him for years. I know what I'm going to get with him. So I was happy to see Dixon added in this instead. Um, so this means, I guess, that this two-month-long issue over 
one little incident is going to go even longer because I would assume that Caprice Coleman will win this match and then eventually earn his shot with the Beer City Bruiser, if I know anything about wrestling. But let's talk about the match and see if I'm right. So it is the Beer City Bruiser with Melotus and Dixon at ringside with him, taking on Caprice Coleman. So Dixon, right away, doesn't break clean after a tie-up, ends in the corner. Caprice then gets a single leg takedown, out-wrestles Dixon on the mat, leading to a commercial break. Coleman's still in control after that break with a diving shoulder tackle and a leg drop. Malonis gets up on the apron, distracts the referee on one side of the ring, while the bruiser clotheslines Coleman on the other to sort of shift the momentum back to the heels. We get a sloop, scoop slam by Dixon, and he then catches Coleman uh, out of a springboard and hits him with a fallaway slam that I thought was pretty nice. We get some sort of sloppy counter by Coleman. It leads to an awkward slam, but Coleman fires up, hits three clotheslines and a scissor kick. Coleman is kicked to the floor. Dixon distracts the ref so Malonis can run Coleman into the barricade. We get an inside-out head scissors and an around-the-ring-post kick by Caprice Coleman. Two Northern Light suplexes and a Kobler clutch by Coleman, but the bruiser attacks and Coleman is going to win this match by DQ, but he pays the price and gets beaten down afterward, including a DDT from the bruiser. So I thought this was a fine match to start the show, nothing special. Coleman had a good showing, and other than one awkward spot, and that may not have even been his fault, I thought he looked really good here. Dixon got in a couple of decent moves as well, and he played a fine heel. Uh, the result was never in doubt after the stipulation was made. It's clear when they say, like, you've got to beat this person to get a shot at me when they've been bi building, quote-unquote, this story for months. You know what's going to happen, but I thought it was fine. The DQ finish makes sense. If their man's going to lose, they may as well just beat the heck out of of Caprice Coleman anyways, which is what happened. I don't have any issues with this match. It wasn't exactly a hot opener or anything, but it kept my interest and in I didn't mind it. it. As we were known to say on FNS Wrestling, it was fine. So we come back from another commercial break with a recap from Glory by Honor, where Flip Gordon took a J-Driller on a chair. So this is where things get really weird for me, and I got confused for a little bit here. So PJ Black asked Gordon some questions backstage. We're shown footage, I guess, after this J-Driller on the chair. So he's asking Gordon some questions. Gordon and then responds sort of by asking about Matt and Nick the Young Bucks. And Quinn tells us basically that Gordon thinks that it's 2018. So I guess this blow to the head has forced him to think it's three years ago, um, which is back when these um, the Young Bucks and things were in Ring of Honor. Some might say sort of their last sort of glory days, interestingly enough. So then we flash forward to PJ Black, basically now acting as almost like a counselor for Gordon and getting him, uh, getting Gordon to drink some type of potion or concoction. So Gordon briefly became like, an animated cartoon sort of in a flash and then it ends up with him just up in a tree so I guess the idea is whatever's in this potion was just crazy so he I guess he thinks his whole mercenary gimmick that he's been doing for the last couple years was a dream because he's back to being like the clean cut looking basically like Austin Theory from WWE at this point so Black tells him he needs to drink more potion but Flip Gordon is reluctant, but then again, he ends sort of by agreeing that he should simply trust the process. So then we cut to the present, where Gordon approaches PJ Black wearing a suit and tie, and Black asks about what's with the suit, and Gordon says he talks to talk to Cody, meaning Cody Rhodes, because Cody Rhodes was there in 2018, and something about Cody said that he's a professional and should dress professionally. So Black just says quickly, never trust that guy, 
and he gives Gordon a notebook to write down the dreams he has, and Gordon agrees and says, thanks, Doc. So I'm, I'm really not sure what the heck is going on here. To go back, Glory by Honor was in August. Okay, so that's a long time ago now. It is November 15th as I'm talking right now. So in late August, they had Glory by Honor. Now, I review this show every week, and I've never heard anything about this story involving Flip Gordon. So either this is the first time they've addressed this, and I think it is, even though the whole segment had kind of like a recap feel. Like, hey, remember this storyline? It's been a while, and, and sometimes that happens in ROH, right? So, Or it's something they've been doing online that I haven't kept up with. Regardless, I don't know where it's coming from. I do think it's kind of an interesting mid-card comedy gimmick, right? Like the one guy thinks it's three years ago, although if, it might be more interesting if he thought it was further back than three years ago, because other than making you know references to the, the people who were there at that time and sort of embracing the style he used to work at that time, there's not a lot of places you could go. Now, if he thought it was like the 1950s or something, that could get really weird and interesting. But anyways... It seems like a bit of a departure for ROH to try something like this. So I do kind of appreciate that they are trying something new. I mean, it is a little bit reckless, probably, to push a story where a guy clearly suffers a major head injury and the company's just letting him work. Like, he clearly has some sort of lingering effects of a serious concussion or something as he thinks it's no longer the current year uh, and the company is just going to let him compete. So that's a little bit of a loophole that, or sorry, a, a gap in logic there. But anyways, um, and I mean, even if this is interesting, it's another instance where the company's going to be gone probably before they get to go very far with it anyways. But it was a really lengthy segment in the middle of this show, especially for a one-hour show that's going to try and pack three matches in. But I have to admit, it did keep my attention. And I don't generally care for Flip Gordon or PJ Black at this point in his career, but I was kind of interested in, in where this was going, partly because I was just caught off, off guard and was like, what the heck is this? But I think it was kind of interesting in some way. And, and they could play it for comedy. They could play it for a little bit serious. I don't know. We'll see where they go with it if they have any time. So then we get the match, PJ Black and Flip Gordon taking on the OGK, which is Matt Taven and uh, Mike Bennett. So OGK talk from, a it's another pre-recorded thing from a bit earlier, where Taven says Flip Gordon is like the brother he never asked for. Gordon is annoying, but he loves him anyways, and he can't get Gordon to live in the present. Bennett doesn't know where Gordon's head is at, but the OGK will remind him that they are the best tag team in the world. I thought Taven sounded really insincere speaking, kind of almost like he's not a fan of Gordon's new gimmick, and they're just trying to suddenly wedge in acknowledging this gimmick and that they've known about it all of a sudden where I don't really think they did but I never find Bennett or Taven likable so that's kind of my own bias there so it's kind of normal for me not to find them too convincing in a babyface capacity <clears throat> excuse me uh so Gordon and Taven start out Taven goes for a quick roll-up Riccoboni is surprised that Gordon has been cleared to wrestle um sort of what I was referring to earlier about you're sort of saying this guy has a head injury to the point where he thinks it's a different year, but you're still letting him fight. So I'm not sure that he should have made that point, even though he is right. I don't know if there's any need to draw people's attention to it. But I also think just before that, he might be sort of implying that Flip Gordon is faking this. So in that case, I guess that's okay to sort of point out, you know, if he actually had conditions, the company wouldn't make him wrestle. So that's why I assume he's faking it. But anyways, we don't know at this point. So Gordon keeps kind of heading over to the corner to talk to PJ Black. 
And then at one point he's going over to ask for his flip pad that he's supposed to write things down in. And then Taven keeps hitting him with offense as he does it. Uh, PJ Black finally tags in, hits a boot before Taven responds with a suplex. We get a double drop kick by OGK as Bennett sort of takes over the action here. Gordon comes off the top to hit Bennett's outstretched arm as we go to another commercial. Then we come back with a Death Valley driver and a punt combination by the OGK. Black tags, or sorry, Black breaks up the spike pile driver. I think it's the finishing move for OGK. And Gordon lands a kick to Bennett's head. PJ Black tags in, cleans house with a spinning kick, a DDT, and a double reverse DDT to both OGK after he sort of moonsaults into it. Moonsaults over the two guys and then hits a reverse DDT. It's pretty cool. We get a super kick spear combination by OGK to PJ Black. A chop explain, uh, sorry, a chop, chop exchange, then a catapult into a head kick by OGK. Taven hits an elbow drop for a near fall. And then Bennett clears Gordon off the apron, hits a brain buster to PJ Black for a two count. Hot tag to flip Gordon. He's back to his high flying that he has sort of abandoned during the mercenary gimmick that he thinks was a dream. So he's back to high flying all over the place. Lands a high knee, a super kick, then dives over the top to each of the OGK, OGK members on either side of the ring on the floor. We get a moonsault Samoan drop, shooting star, and some sort of flipping, twisting move off the top by Gordon that was really nice. I didn't quite get specifically what it was, and commentary didn't help me. So Flip Gordon gets Taven in an electric chair position, and PJ Black hits a destroyer off the top rope, which was incredible, looked really clean. I was not expecting it whatsoever. Uh, it's kind of thing you expect maybe in a pay-per-view from the Lucha Brothers or something, but not on a regular episode of Ring of Honor um, from Flip Gordon. So it was pretty cool to see, and Mike Bennett needs to break up the pin on that move. Obviously, that could easily earn someone a pinfall, so we got a logical breakup of the pin there. Flip Gordon accidentally super kicks PJ Black to the floor a little bit later, and then Gordon gets speared by Bennett. He ends up taking the spike pile driver from the OGK. Flip Gordon gets pin, takes the pin, sorry, and OGK get the victory in this match. And I'm pleasantly surprised and happy to say I really enjoyed this match because I'm not a fan of OGK. I'm not a fan of anyone in this match, if I'm if I'm being honest with you. So it kind of started out as comedic a little bit with Gordon sort of selling the head injury and seeking advice from his doctor in the corner black and then needing his journal to write in or whatever. But then it got a little more serious and became a regular match and ended up being pretty good. I guess the idea is that Gordon has reverted back to his clean-cut, high-flying character after this head injury, and I much prefer this high-flying. Uh, it's kind of like, reminds me of Bandito. He's a high-flyer but also has incredible strength, and I much prefer the style working this than his mercenary gimmick which was was not quite it was sort of him getting rid of the high flying stuff so i prefer this re returning back to the high flying flip gordon uh he looked really good here and ogk looked good they had lots of cool double team offense so i was pleasantly surprised by this match and quite enjoyed it we come back from another commercial which not that it matters or is important but it is literally and i say literally meaning literally i'm not using it for hyperbole or anything else literally every commercial break it starts with the same commercial for me uh the the network it's on i believe it's on fox where i record it from and every single commercial break is iced tea pushing car insurance or something like that with the same guy the same commercial every break but anyways i just wanted to voice my frustration not that it matters to any of you but it's super annoying so we come back from that commercial break they run down the card for the um honor for all show 
Um, just the graphics for each match, no voiceover or anything. And I wrote down that it's on November 14th, but that obviously can't be right. I'm, I, I apologize. I wrote down the wrong date. So the lineup looks like it's going to be um, a few matches here. Brody King taking on Jonathan Gresham, which is really interesting to me. Just the difference in size and style is should be a really cool match. Taylor Russ, which is my son's favorite, one of his favorite wrestlers, his favorite in Ring of Honor for sure, taking on Tracy William. William, sorry. We're going to have Quinn McKay taking on Vita Von Starr, Trish Adora, and Holiday in a four-way match. Uh, GCW Tag Team Champions, the Briscoes, are going to defend that title against Effie and AJ Gray. So I'm interested in that. Just I've heard lots about Effie. I've never seen him wrestle. I don't know who AJ Gray is, so I'm always up to see somebody new. The ROH Tag Team Champions, LFI, which is Kenny King and Dragon Lee, will defend against the OGK that we just saw, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. And probably a main event, I would assume, in a no-DQ match, the Ring of Honor World Champion Bandito defends against Demonic Flamita in what should be a pretty fun match to watch at all as well. So a few matches I'm interested in on that show. So we'll see when that actually is. I got the wrong date for you, but uh, it's coming up at some point. We then transition into the main event, which is the Righteous which is Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch, and Vita Von Starr is with them as well, taking on the foundation represented in this one by Gresham, uh, Jonathan Gresham, Tracy Williams, and Rhett Titus. So the Righteous are all dressed in white, as they're now claiming to be purified, and Vincent is still wearing the crown on his head. Um, and so I, I don't know what this purified means. They really haven't clarified, other than they wear white now, and they, they keep talking about he will be pleased. Somebody will be pleased with their actions. We don't know who it is at this point. It's kind of interesting to see Jay Lethal come out here and support the foundation because he just made his debut in AEW the night before I watched this. So on the the Full Gear show, he was sort of um, announced that he has signed with AEW and made an appearance. And now I'm seeing him in Ring of Honor the next day. So that's always kind of interesting. So we cut to a foundation promo from earlier where Tracy Williams calls the Righteous' new purity gimmick a joke said, tonight's the night they can prove it and try to show the foundation what pure wrestling is, as the foundation sure as hell will show them. Um, this was back to like the fine standard pre-match ROH promo. You don't really learn anything new, but it was fine. I guess it just gives people a chance to speak. Vincent gets a mic, speaks to Lethal at ringside. He said that Lethal should join his friends, implying I think that he should join... Um, what I forget their name already. He should join the Righteous. Sorry about that. Had a little gap there. Uh, and then Lethal doesn't move. So Vincent says, fine, if you think that the Foundation are your real friends, then they should hear this. And he plays a clip on the screen just on a continuous loop of Lethal saying, I don't even like the Foundation over and over again. So the other Foundation members sort of turn to Lethal for an explanation. And you can hear him insisting that he never said it and that the clip was basically taken out of context. So they have a discussion. It, uh, cooler heads sort of prevail, and Williams kind of convinces Lethal just to head to the back, so he's gone. So all three Righteous take that opportunity to attack the Foundation as they're sort of still paying some attention to Lethal leaving, and then we head to a commercial break. We come back with Vincent in control of Gresham with strikes and stomps in the corner after that break. Dutch tags in for more of the same in the heels early on here, isolating Gresham, with Bateman also taking a turn beating down on Gresham. Gresham finally lands in Insiguri, tags out to Tracy Williams. Williams comes in and cleans house before some boots from Vincent, but a big clothesline by Williams stops Vincent in his tracks. The ref is then enforcing the tag rope rule, and Vita Von Starr is dancing on the floor. 
Dutch launches Gresham into the barricade, sends him back into the ring to take some high-impact offense from each of the Righteous, including a powerbomb from Dutch and a senton from Vincent. Dutch and Williams battle on the floor. Dutch ends up running into the ring post, and we head out to what I assume is the final commercial break. We come back with a belly-to-back suplex and a flatliner by Vincent as Gresham continues to play the face in peril, as he does for a good, maybe the majority of this match, I would say. So Gresham finally tags out again to Rhett Titus this time. He takes the fight to Bateman, including drop-kicking him to the floor. We get a Northern Lights suplex by Titus and an awkward sort of dive to Dutch out on the floor. Belly-to-belly to Bateman by Titus and a single-leg crab is locked in. Gresham tries to stop Dutch from getting involved and breaking up the submission, but Dutch just throws Gresham into Titus, and that does the trick to break the hold. Dutch then drags Bateman over to the corner. He tags himself in, flattens Gresham and Titus, hits a jackhammer uh, to Titus. Williams tags out. Or sorry, Williams comes in and takes out Dutch, but Vincent then hits Williams with a cutter. We get a ripcord side slam by Dutch, and he pins Rhett Titus and the Righteous win this main event match. Um... Definitely not as good as the tag match that preceded this. I thought this match was pretty much just okay. There was just so much prolonged basic offense by the Righteous. Just really basic stuff dominating Jonathan Gresham for a good chunk of this. And I don't know if it's because Gresham is moving out of the pure division that they felt that he could be the one to take a beating here. But he definitely did take a lot of of the brunt of the Righteous's offense here. Things did pick up later. I actually thought Dutch looked pretty good because I haven't really seen much of him. Um, he hasn't got much of an opportunity. Again, they're very limited in the time they have. I thought he looked good, but the match itself was nothing special. I wonder what the plan is or was even for Lethal after this. My assumption is that this was recorded before the announcement of the shutdown and Lethal leaving for AEW, but I could be wrong. It seems like they had some sort of story in the works that they'll never get around to. Uh, So the foundation at this point are just not interesting to me. And when the Pure Division was announced and started, I was excited for it. I thought it was what I wanted, like realistic sort of wrestling, but it's too far. I don't want cartoony wrestling like WWE gives us in NXT right now, but the whole it's just two guys that are wrestlers wrestling each other is also not what I want. I need something in between. I need a little hint of some sports entertainment in there along with my wrestling. So the foundation has just kind of overstayed their welcome for me. They're they're still just the same as they ever have been. There's been no real evolution or change in their characters. They're just the serious wrestlers that take wrestling seriously. Just a stable of wrestlers with kind of boring personalities, to be honest. So I, I wasn't a big fan of the main event. Overall thoughts on this show? Uh, decent show. Didn't really contain anything to get excited about. I'm always hoping I... I have something to say, yeah, you guys should rush out and see this. Go and find this match or go and find this promo. That's not the case this week. The opening match was kind of a bait and switch, right? The the result was a different match that showcased the retired Coleman and extended his story with the bouncers. And the match was, it was fine. Nothing exciting. The OGK, Gordon, Flip Gordon and PJ Black match was surprisingly entertaining match of the show easily. With the strange story of Flip Gordon drawing my attention as well, this whole head injury and now he thinks it's the past sort of thing it's kind of interesting to me the main event was fine but paled in comparison to the match just before it i thought the foundation as i said just kind of bore me at this point and the righteous don't really interest me either it's just like we wear white and we're pure and that just i need something i need something to advance i need something a little bit more to get me interested in this they're kind of just keep slightly changing for no real reason and it doesn't ever really change anything they're still heels and they still behave the same way so it's kind of lacking for me a little bit 
So not the greatest show. I'm going to give it a C plus this week. So not very good, but not absolutely terrible either. Getting pretty close to something that wasted my time is a strong word, but I could have spent my time better doing something else probably, but that's okay. Uh, one match was really fun. The other two were kind of just okay. So that's going to bring me to the end of Ring of Honor episode 529 review. Thanks to anyone taking any time out of their week to listen to me talk about wrestling. I really do appreciate it. Jackson and I will be back on Saturday for episode 70. I don't think we have anything in the works before that. So hopefully we'll see you all back here on Saturday. And until then, take care. <laughs>